Welcome to the Good Wife Seminar. My name is Leslie Wilson, which you probably already all knew. And um, I am 56 years old. I, I want to say 57 because I'm always anticipating my next age. <laughs> but I'm only 56 for another uh, half a year plus. So um, I'm five foot six and I weigh 137 pounds this morning. We're not going to all have to do this, right? No, you don't. My husband told me to do that, though. He said, give it, give it all. Um, I've been married for 35 years, plus. I have four children. Their ages are 31. 30, he's almost 32. Uh, my daughter's 30, and then I have two other sons, 24 and 22. And Rachel is ma married to my 24-year-old. I am done with periods. I've, I've done menopause. <laughs> Past that. It's got its good points and its bad points. And hot flashes are one of the bad points. So if I get this funny look and start going like this, that's what's going on. Okay? Uh, the, the big house where we all are right now is a ministry living situation that my husband and I have run for 33 plus years. And the reason that we started this ministry, this living situation, is because I was not a Bible teacher. Um, when, when we got married, he very soon became an elder in the church that we were in. And I had this sensation that as an elder's wife, I should be a Bible teacher. And it just wasn't my thing. I wasn't good at it, but I was very good and very interested in hospitality and homemaking and all that. So we had a ministry right away from our home where we invited people over, and he said, let's, let's expand on that. And my husband likes to talk a lot, so <laughs> his part of our ministry is talking, and mine is the homemaking and cooking and serving. Um, I am confident now, though, after 33-plus years of doing this, that I understand some things about the scriptures, about... Um, what it is to live a godly life in Christ, what it is to really run a home, and what it is to love my husband. So that's why I am teaching this, and it's also in obedience to a passage in the scripture in Titus, which I will hit in a little bit. Um, my marriage, 35 years to one man, by the way, no divorces in there, and I've had temptations, yes, and I have sinned, yes. But the reason that I think my life is worth um, putting on display and talking to you about and trying to convince you to emulate what I have thought and lived is because of the amount of peace and joy that I've experienced in my marriage and my life. And that is largely, well, I would say wholly because of what the Lord has done in forgiving sin. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's a huge part of what we uh, teach here at the Big House. Um, but we also teach godly living without confession, which means you don't sin. And that's another huge point that I'm going to be trying to make today. Um, we, I call it active obedience and resisting temptations. So. These things have just brought about a life and a circumstance of really unique peace. Um, my husband and I have never fought. Um, our children 
Oh, and in light of that, it's not because we're so similar. Evan and I are practically polar opposites in so many things, um, and we've definitely disagreed, but there's never been an atmosphere of contention um, and fighting in our home. Our children all are in the Lord, all believers, all desiring to minister in some way, whether it's formally or informally, and uh, they never rebelled when they went through their teenage years. Uh, didn't mean that they weren't tempted by sin, didn't mean that they didn't have struggles or didn't dislike some of what was coming down on them from the authorities in their lives, but they understood because I believe there was a good enough example in our home of what it is to um, live before the Lord in a godly way that they didn't want to rebel against what they saw. Um, and they also grew up in a home where there was a constant turnover of people. Um, how many people here lived at the house? Only four. Okay. Five. Okay, Ashley back there. Okay. Yeah. So we have five uh, alumni, house alumni, and actually Tammy is currently living here. Um, but yeah, we constant turnover. We probably had over 300 people live in the house in the 35, 33 years that we've run it. Um, my responsibilities in the house were mostly to cook dinners on the weeknights, keep the house clean and neat and running in an orderly way. That means making sure that some of the people who lived here were also being orderly and clean about what they were doing and uh, doing laundry, including, you know, the, I didn't do laundry for the house residents, but, you know, all the laundry for, um, like, tablecloths and towels and stuff like that, plus my own families, and to rejoice always. My major, major responsibility in everything was to rejoice always. And again, I did not always succeed in that, but I always got, my, got right with God about it. Um, on top of what our life was here with people living here, we also had a ministry of hospitality where we invited people over frequently. And sometimes it was overnight stays, and we still do that. We have guest rooms. Um, we still invite people to dinner. We have, from through our church, we do a college student dinner um, every, I don't know, five, six weeks. And uh, it's just a busy household, and there's never any excuse for being bent out of shape, um, unkind, uh, what else? What are some other good sins, anyway? Any of those attitude sins? Pity party. Um, pardon me? Pity party. No pity parties, yes. Um, so, oh, we also had church services here for several years when my children were small. Um, we, we would have to rearrange furniture every Sunday morning and uh, get the get the kids ready and I would also be working on getting a Sunday dinner to have it in here in the dining room after church was done so it's always been a busy life but um, it's it was a very doable life um, I also have an active sex life with my husband um, we have sex three or four times a week and that is 200 to 250 orgasms a year. Okay? Now I got Phil smiling. All right. Um, this is a higher rate than most people who are half our age. Okay? 
Um, my husband loves to look up statistics on the <laughs> computer. <laughs> and he printed out this graph for me to look at. And I may, if, if this seminar continues in any sort of a regular way, I'll probably hand the graph out to people. But it was very interesting to see for how much sex is out there in the world on the, in advertising and pushed in a very evil way, it's not happening as often as people would want you to think it is, or as people may even want it to happen. Um, and I believe that sex is a God-given uh, joy, as well as the way that we continue our race. And, uh, but the fact that it's a joy and a pleasure is what should be spurring us on to want to participate in that if we're married. Um, so anyway, I may lack a te teaching gift, which I believe I do in terms of just being a Bible teacher, but I know that I understand what the Lord requires of me in three areas, spiritually, domestically, and sexually. You know, I'm not perfect. I still mess up at times, but I, I believe I understand enough to be up here teaching. So as for you, um, you may not like what I have to say today. You may not, you may not agree with what I have to say. Um, but whatever the life is that you have, it will be a result of how you think and what authorities you listen to and how you live. And if you find yourself uh, not happy, not peaceful and joyful, it's in some way a re result of how you think and how you live what you listen to, what you pursue. I recommend the peaceful life that I have. Uh, today I'm teaching in obedience to Titus 2, 3 through 5. And uh, it says, Bid the older women likewise to be reverent in behavior, not to be slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be sensible, chaste, domestic, kind, and submissive to their husbands that the word of God may not be discredited. So, there is the theme verse for what I'm doing. Um, I want to quote my husband here. Uh, for years he's thought a certain way about education and about teaching. And a few years ago he coined a little phrase, you will learn what you deserve to learn. Um, if you don't go after something or are, if you're not open to what you're being told, then you won't learn it. You'll learn what you deserve to learn. So it's okay during this to ask questions. Happy to, in fact, sometimes that spurs me on in a good direction if you do have a question. Um, but if you have a disagreement, I would prefer you talk to me later about it. So, in fact, I will ask you, please talk to me later about it. Um, there will be more seminars depending on how we respond to this one. Uh, and I have potential dates for those. I, I would be happy to tell you them uh, later. And there, we would also make a notebook which would be available for you, which the materials you have there are pre-sized for the notebooks. Um, so if you do uh, decide you'd like to see more of this happen, um, don't throw those away. You can three-hole punch them, and we'll be getting little binders, which you will pay for. They will cost money if, you, um, if we continue this. So 
I think that's my introduction. So let's get into the actual material. Um, how do you be a good wife? Well, there are three things that need to happen. You need to love God. You need to love your husband, and you need to love being at. You need to love your home. Um, we're going to start with loving God. Um, in in my kitchen, I have a poster that's framed that Evan made after we remodeled our kitchen, and it says at the top. Well, actually, it's a, a picture of that center window there, the rose window. Um, and up above it, it says big house kitchen. At the bottom, it says light, spice, heat. And that's not a necessarily a cooking instruction, although it, it sounds like a cooking instruction, but it's actually more about life in a home that is uh, centered around the Lord. The light is that um, knowledge of our God. And the spice is what you do in your home to make it interesting and a nice place to be. And the heat is what happens in the bedroom. So <laughs> there we go. So we're going to talk about light first. Your soul needs to be brightly lit by a known and lived salvation. Um, Hebrews 2.3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You need to make sure you first pay attention to your salvation. And I don't mean by that paying attention to making sure you get to church every week or um, paying attention to being good or any sort of vague spirituality um, like you know, yoga spirituality or anything like that. It, it needs to be understanding really what it is to have your sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and your submitting your life to him. Um, how you know if you have that um, you can only know by three things authority and revelation uh, clarity regarding reason and excuse me cl clarity regarding reality and being mindful of reason so first we're going to talk about authority and revelation and uh, Authority and revelation is hearing and learning from an agent who has reason to know, i.e. by their education or their experience or their position or even just who they are, like God. If, if you actually met God, you would know that he had the authority to tell you what was true. Um, or some emissary of God, like the prophets or the apostle Paul. Um, you can be confident that what they tell you is true because they have authority. Now there are barriers to authority and one of those is gullibility. Um, if you don't know how to examine what comes into your life, into your experience, um, then you'll believe all kinds of stuff. And if you don't understand how to reason through things or understand maybe where, whether that person who said it has any um, authority or a reason to say things that they want you to believe, um, you can get sucked into things that aren't true. I'm not going to tell you, you know, particularly how to know what's what, but at some point you got to figure out how to know what's true and how not to be gullible. Um, Second Timothy 3, 2 through 7 says, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. This is talking about... Um, uh, like end times, last days, 
proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates, fierce, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of religion but denying the power of it. That's a pretty important part right there. Holding the form of religion but denying the power of it. So if you base your religion on going to church um, and uh, listening to Christian music, uh, that's kind of a form of religion, or maybe taking communion, uh, or the fact that you were baptized. Form of religion, but it's not the power. The power of, the re of your religion is in the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Um, avoid such people, for among them are those who make their way into households and capture weak women. Lord, weak women. You don't want to be the weak woman. Burdened with sins and swayed by various impulses, who will listen to anybody and can never arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Being a woman of God and understanding the scriptures and, and knowing why you believe what you believe is so foundational and important to being unswayed by uh, false teachers. Uh, so that's my encouragement to you there on that. Laziness is another barrier to uh, knowing. You, you let somebody else tell you what to think. Um, regarding that and, and your husband, uh, my dear husband has said that he cannot command me what to think. and He doesn't believe that anyone can command anyone else what to think. He might want to convince me of what he thinks is true. And if he has a good argument, uh, he probably will convince me of what he thinks is true. If it's, if it's reasonable and follows logic, um, and then I will believe what he believes, but by mere command, he, he knows he can't do that. Um, and I encourage you to only believe what you find is provably true. Um, not to believe something just because somebody you admire told you. Um, what else can I say about that? That's not submission. Submission is something else entirely, and we will get to that. Uh, devotional reading is another thing that can be a barrier or can fool you into thinking you're being spiritual. Things that sound really pretty and sensitive, or that sound fun or funny, or they encourage you to kind of have a romance with Jesus. That's not what the scriptures are. That's, um, there's sort of a silliness to that kind of thing. Um, I'm not saying that some of the stuff in devotional readings isn't true, but I think there's a lot of stuff that just becomes truisms rather than actual truth, and you need to watch out for that. Um, can't think of any examples of that because I don't read that kind of stuff. I don't know if anyone out there can think of an example of something that you read and it just sounded so wonderful to Would you. Chicken soup qualify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chicken soup for the soul. Or um, what is that saying? Um, God, Lord, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the, that whole thing. I mean, it's, it's good, but it's not the scripture. Um, it's a devotional kind of little thingy. You shouldn't get caught up in that stuff. 
know the word of God. Um, okay, onward. Um, your mind is, I think, part of this. I wanted to encourage you that your soul needs to be brightly lit. Your soul and your mind are the same thing. Um, it's the essence of, the, of what drives you in your understanding. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 18-19 I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Be babes in evil, but in thinking be mature. This is, a, again, an admonishment or um, an encouragement to not be silly, but to be sensible and mature in the way you think. Uh, pride is another thing that can get in the way of, of knowing truth and knowing uh, how to how to live your your Christian life correctly. It's thinking somehow that that you understand because you're just so smart. Um, but if you think about who God allowed to write his word, um, he didn't ask you probably to uh, write some scripture for him. <laughs> but the Apostle Paul, he certainly did. And there were the prophets. He spoke to them and told them what to say. And they said things that were not easy, not easy to bear. But doesn't mean that the fruit of those things isn't wonderful. So don't let your pride about who, how wonderful you are or, how, or about some teacher that you thought sounded really good get in the way. Um, so the other thing, the other way you know your salvation um, and all the truth of it is clarity regarding reality. That you know how to um, deal with things that you encounter in life and you know how to categorize them and how to value them ordinately. As in, not, not give inordinate value to things that are small, that are details, that are unimportant. Um, now, barriers to that are having an inaccurate anthropology. That, that's the idea that um, not recognizing that man is sinful and that sometimes you're going to encounter things that are a result of somebody sinning against you or somebody sinning and you just have to deal with a circumstance where there's sin. Um, if, if you're not aware of that, if, if you somehow think, oh, everybody out there is just so you know, they're all good, they're just kind of trying to learn better goodness or something. Um, it, it's going to slap you in the face and make, make you unable to deal well with reality. Um, or using book or, or movie narratives. Have you ever watched a, a movie that you just loved how everything turned out in it? You love the character of the, the guy or the the girl or the circumstance. Well, that was somebody just writing this perfect story out. Um, your life may not be that. Your life is going to have all kinds of stuff in it. You, probably, you all know this already because you've already all had things happen to you that you didn't like or you had to deal with. Um, don't get caught up in some sort of, oh, if only my life was this, that, or the other. Everybody's life has stuff they got to deal with. Um, and also daydreaming would be another... Um, what would you call it, like distraction to 
recognizing what's real? Do you, do you have a tendency to sit and dream up how um, nice it would be to be doing this or that over here, over there, or whatever? Um, get yourself back in reality. Um, then there's the materialist pre-diagnosis. My, my husband came up with that one there. Um, but it's the idea that all there is that affects me is is uh, the world's um, the physical things in the world, like what I eat or um, the chemicals in my brain, uh, these physical things that if I could just find the right diet, then I wouldn't be depressed. If I could just eliminate gluten from my diet, then I would have all the energy I needed or whatever. It's, it's sort of a materialism approach to, um, to life. And if you are a Christian, you need to recognize that God is far more powerful than gluten or um, chemicals in your brain. Uh, now, a lot of that stuff may affect you, but to some extent you might ask yourself, why did I get to that place where it was affecting me? What did I miss in living for God and believing God that allowed me to get to a place where um, I'm constantly depressed and I think somehow that changing my diet is going to fix it. Um, but that's another entire huge conversation topic that isn't really the main point today. It's just realizing that materialism and diagnosing yourself only according to that is, is a far cry from understanding who God is. Um, third thing is knowing truth, knowing your salvation, because you're mindful of reason. You know, if, if you know how to really think logically, that there are rules of thought, and that when you follow those rules, you come up with a conclusion that's valid. Um, and the, the barriers to that are passion. The idea of, I want to do something because it's going to feel great, it sounds so exciting, I'm going to do that. Um, when, when you haven't thought about whether or not it's a good idea. Um, people will really uphold passion these days as though it's some sort of uh, badge of honor that I'm so passionate about this ministry. Well, did you think about it? You know, the passion is great if you've done some thinking first, but if your passion should definitely follow reason never the other way around. Don't try to come up with a reason for the passion if you haven't thought first. Um, things like, uh, this is kind of go, goes back to the um, devotional type of thing. Epigrams, truisms, platitudes um, are all kind of based on a passion that is desiring things to be cutesy and sweet. Uh, and I, and uh, an example of that would be the footprints poster. Do y'all know that that one? Yeah, about the two pairs of footprints walking in the sand, and then there was one pair of footprints. And Jesus, why did you leave me? And why, you know, the first the, the two pairs was Jesus and you walking along, and then suddenly there's only one pair. And, well, the, the end of that is that Jesus picked you up and carried you the rest of the way. Well, that all sounds really nice, doesn't it? Doesn't it just sound like, oh, my 
gosh, thank you, Jesus. Um, but it's it's not really scripture. It's it's um, it's not reason. Uh, and there might be some truth to the idea, but it's one of those woman things that women can get caught up in, and it's not what's admirable in women when they get into that sort of thing. It's far more admirable that you be sensible. And uh, we're going to get on to sensibility at some point here in the next talk. Um, oh yeah, this is, I like my husband. He helped me do these. He said, inane truth claims might not be passion, but they are stupid. <laughs> so, okay, postmodernism is another barrier to being mindful of reason, and that's the idea that you can come up with your own truth. Uh, that not everybody's, not everybody's truth doesn't have to be the same thing. Uh, and that is just in direct conflict to um, reality. It just it makes no sense to think that what's true for one person may not be true for someone else. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about uh, what music you like or what kinds of uh, clothes you want to wear or anything, but in actual concepts of uh, right and wrong. Onward. <clears throat> so we get into how do you live, and we're talking about how do you live this salvation. Well, the gospel provides forgiveness of sins, and when you submit to yourself to God and when you become a Christian, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to do what... God requires of you. Um, and in that, you need to have a plan for obedience and you need to find that path of yielding to it. Um, the live salvation, oh, I wanted to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And I was going to mark my passages, but I didn't get around to it. So I gotta actually look it up. Right, this is a wonderful, wonderful prayer that, go, that Paul prays for the Ephesians. And it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that is just completely, it's all-encompassing of what we are to be as Christians, um, indwelled by the Spirit, um, able to know, to have the fullness of knowledge, um, and uh, be filled with the fullness of God. Um, without, without the Holy Spirit indwelling you, um, you have no chance of doing what God's Word requires. So this salvation takes what is known and it submits to the three things, which are authority and revelation, clarity regarding reality, and then being mindful of reason. And once you submit to that, you have a path for knowing, and you submit to the conclusion. The conclusion that those things will bring you to. Now that can be really scary, because it means you're letting go of what you think, 
or what you have thought um, or what someone else might tell you works really well. But it's far better submit to submit to the living God and to the conclusions that he has for that submission. And do not fear where this God of truth will take you. Um, realize that the path of knowing is far more important than you are. Um, this I think in America and in this age of the Enlightenment, it lifts man up and it lifts individuals up to think way more highly of themselves than they ought to. Um, and if you look at the history of man, I think it's a pretty much a hundred percent that everybody is sinful and everybody messes up and it's, it's so much better to do things the way the Lord wants you to. So the submission that you need to come to is first to God, and it needs to be overt. It needs to be confessing sins and not just going, okay, I was wrong in the past. I'm going to stop being wrong, and I'm going to start being good. No, you need to go back and confess the sins, the fears, the follies from the past. If, if that's the way you've been living, you need to go back and actually do that. And I, you all got in your materials here my father-in-law's booklet called How to Maintain Joy in Your Life. And I was reading that this morning. It's that dewy stuff that you get when you talk a lot. <laughs> um, I was reading it through this morning just because I hadn't read it in a long time and it's, it's just wonderful. How many of you have read this booklet? Yeah. Maybe about half of you. How to be, how to maintain joy in your life, and it, it's my father-in-law's experience and how he came to understand that he didn't have to be uh, under the weight of sin, and it's been an amazing help to a lot of people. If you haven't read it in a while, I recommend just reading it again. If you've never read it, by you got your own copy now. If you don't want your copy. Oh, thank you. I actually had water behind me. I just, yeah, that's all right. This is good. This is cold. <laughs> all right. Um, if you don't want your copy, give it to someone else. Give it to another Christian that you think maybe needs to get some joy back in their lives. Um, but you're free to take them home. And there are different covers on them. It's all the same inside stuff. They're constantly going, oh, let's make a new cover. And we just happen to have a lot of old ones as well as some new ones. So um, so the confession of sin needs to be something you actually do. And that will bring you back into the joy of the Lord if you are not currently in it. Um, and you will overtly find the path and lift its means above yourself and above your own way. Which is to recognize that you're not that great. And anything that you are can only be good, really good, if you submit it to the Lord. Um, then you need to start thanking God for what you've learned and what you will find. Now, if you know, it can seem hard, but thanksgiving is powerful. And I don't know how many of you have had circumstances where you just did not like what was going on and you finally realized that you needed to thank God even if you're not thanking him for it, which doesn't hurt to do that too, but um, at least thank God 
for something, say, then it's amazing the turnaround that that can be in your joy and your attitude. Um, it's a powerful, powerful thing to be thankful, to give thanks. Um, Philippians 4, 6, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then we know it goes on to say, The peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, it's a way to peace. Uh, it doesn't... It doesn't um, say that you will never have anything that might seem fearful, that might cause anxiety, but it's saying don't let that get the best of you. Turn to the Lord. Thank Him. Ask, ask Him to um, meet your need in prayer and ask Him to give you the peace so that you can carry on through whatever that circumstance is. And do not fear, again, where this God of truth will take you. He's a loving God. Um, I don't even know what time it is. That didn't take as long as I thought it would. Because that's the end of my notes. Um, I wonder if there Yes. Can I just say something? Happy, happy to have you. Um, I have this really bad attitude for a while and I noticed my children having the same issue as Christmas just kind of being home and around. Anyway, point being, I it might have been a conversation we had, but it was really spurred on to be thankful and so now on our way to school every morning we have a song we sing about thankfulness and then everyone shares something to be thankful for and I was just going to say like it's amazing especially when I'm struggling with that attitude what a difference that will make in the rest of my morning because mm-hmm. they will sometimes have to prompt me because I will be still being a bad attitude. <laughs> Come on, what are you thankful for? And it's amazing <laughs> that when I have to speak something of thankfulness, that in order to do that, my attitude has to change. Yeah. Because I can't be thankful and maintain my bad attitude at the same time. It's so I just so wanted true. to say that in order to, like, as a testament of, for me and my own children as well, like, what a difference it makes in your attitude instantly. Because you can't have both. Yeah. An attitude of thankfulness and an attitude of whatever you're having. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anyone else have a question or a comment? I just want to give a, I really did do like the how to maintain joy in your life. And then there's also the um, be free from bitterness but um, that Jim has as well. It's a good booklet. But um, most of you know, some of you may not, but I went through a divorce two years ago. And that was kind of my lifeline mm-hmm. so thankfulness or the thankfulness and, and maintaining just joy maintaining yeah. joy and just keeping everything confessed immediately mm-hmm. um, and you know I, it was after just a couple of months of going through that and having that be a discipline I was shocked with how joyful I was mm-hmm. and I thought it was out of place that I could be joyful in mm-hmm. such a circumstance but yeah um, mm-hmm. it was just God's faithfulness and promises. Don't fear where the God of truth will take you. Now that's a little platitude. That's a quote. It's not scripture, <laughs> by the way. Good point. But uh, if you want to quote it, it's Evans. Uh, anything else? 
That's the end of everything you have? No, that's the first talk. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is a lot shorter. <laughs> no, no. no, that's the first talk. And we, I, I wanted to take a break between the talks so that um, you can use the bathroom, get more coffee, have another brownie, chat a little bit. And Evan wants me to uh, download, to give him this thing. So I'm going to pause it. One thing I was thinking when you were talking about um, knowing truth, and, you know, it's, it's kind of obvious, but they, people ask Jim how he knows scripture so well. He says, I read it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, you can think that your devotional time is a substitute for godliness, but I think there is no, no substitute for the power of the word mm -hmm. in your life. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Amen. It's good stuff, and it, it says it never comes back void. Mm -hmm. When it goes out, it never comes back void. And so mm -hmm. you um, you get, yeah, you just get fed that way. Yep. Can and you can, you can draw on <laughs> what you remember, what you know, when you're in those circumstances of temptation mm -hmm. or difficulty, and you just you don't know how to proceed. You, you draw on your knowledge mm -hmm. from the scriptures. Well, and something, what Stephanie said, I think as women, we can get caught into um, women Bible studies really easily, and our devotion is that time in that study, and it doesn't always include scripture. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing I noticed this year. I had a lot of good growth from a women Bible studies I was doing, but by the end of the year, I realized it's been an entire year with very little scripture, like one or two scriptures here or there in these Bible mm -hmm. studies. And I told Jacob, like, I haven't read the Bible in almost a year because mm -hmm. I had spent half an hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour on these studies every morning. I don't have more time than that in mm -hmm. my life. And so this year I was like, made it a commitment to my, that I wasn't going to do those. I was going to actually read the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing as women how you can get caught thinking, oh, this is such good growth and I'm having a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Not that it's wrong, mm -hmm. but those studies can take up so much of your time that you don't actually read the Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In our Bible study, our Wednesday morning one that few of us attend, we just read read the Word. And we take a book and we go through it, and sometimes we have no idea what the history background is or um, what we're dealing with, but it's still much better than trying to read somebody else's uh, take on everything. Mm -hmm. Just read the Word. Mm -hmm. And if there's a major question, I usually go to my husband and say, what the heck is this? <laughs> and I try to do that before the Bible study, so that at least I have an answer. But Meg's really good at coming up with questions and things that, that I hadn't noticed. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> it's because I don't know. <laughs> okay.